This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the all-new Blitz 1170. Thank you for choosing us. All right, welcome back. It's 156 here on the Blitz 1170 on this Tuesday afternoon. Don't forget you can text us at any time, 918-262-5072, coming to you live from the Ike's Chili House Studios. My name is Jeremy Poplin, back off of vacay. That is Matt Hubbard on the opposite side of the glass. Coming up here at the bottom of the 2 o'clock hour, Dave Polanski who's the head athletic trainer at the University of Arkansas. Um, That's his current status. He was the head athletic trainer at the University of Tulsa for an incredibly long time. During the Cotton Bowl, I was watching, and Devin Walker was shown in the stadium. And I guess I need to explain a little bit more about Devin Walker. Devin Walker had a spinal cord injury on the surface of the University of Tulsa in 2012. Uh, that's a young man that had to be resuscitated multiple times on the surface at the University of Tulsa. Uh, Dave and the first responders helped save Devin's life. And to see him go and be able to flourish in a different way now, uh, post-injury, uh, the majority of it through academic and also helping spread the word about injuries like this has been something that's been just a pleasure to watch. But what's it like for a trainer, for a medical staff member to be the first responder on a scene to a scenario like we saw last night? We'll talk with Dave Polanski about that coming up at uh, 2.30 this afternoon. But let's hit up that hotline and welcome in Landry Burdine, who's joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. You might know him from the sidelines of TCU football. What's up, Landry? How are you, buddy? Pop, I'm doing okay, man, other than uh, not knowing what day of the week it is or, you know, kind of what what's going on, which way is up. It's, uh, it's been nuts. It's been absolutely nuts. Uh, but I'm great, you know, all is well in, in, uh, in Fort Worth and, and uh, around Funky Town these days. So uh, no complaints out of me other than I'm a little tired and a little hoarse. Well, you, I mean, you've been picking up other bowl game responsibilities too with bowl season radio, right? Yeah, I did. I, you know, yesterday I picked up, uh, I actually spotted for a buddy of mine that does play-by-play for Tulane. Corey Glory used to yeah. be our, uh, our studio host, actually, on our broadcast for TCU for about five years. And he's uh, transitioned to, you know, becoming the voice of the Green Wave. And he texted me and said, hey, man, you want a no-paying spotter gig for the Cotton Bowl? And, you know, I – I, I, I knew I'd be coming back from the Fiesta Bowl. I did not know I would be that tired uh, and, you know, all that when I agreed to it. But, yeah, it was fun. That was a great game, too, yesterday. My goodness. There's no doubt. One of the things that I did enjoy uh, is the mega cast that they do. So I got to sit back and listen to you guys uh, for the majority of time during the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and there's one thing that stands out. Well, there are multiple things. But I, I think that the most important thing that stands out to me about just TCU and this team in general is their their want, their drive, like the work ethic, because 
That type of stuff stands out to me amongst anything else. Of course, they're talented, and they've got some incredibly talented individuals in, in specific spots. But you know this as a, for, as a former dude. It's like the, the culture seems to be created around work ethic and want. How far off am I on that? Because that's what I take away. No, I, I think you're. I think you're on point there, Pop. It's a. Uh, it's a. It's a lot of that comes with experience too, and I think that this TCU team has you know such a depth of experience. I mean, it's a senior laden team. You look at all the important positions. You know, offensive line, skill position players on the defensive side of the ball, and you've got a bunch of guys that have seen a lot of football and they understand how to work and they understand how to take care of their bodies. They understand how to take care of their minds, which is part of it. And you know, how important film study is and all the things uh, that go into it. And this team is special in that regard. Uh, They're also special in that, that, that experience, I think allows them to uh, be calm when things are seemingly chaotic or getting out of hand or even getting away from them a little bit. And there were times in that game over the weekend where it, it, it certainly felt like it could go that way and they would take a punch and then immediately counter punch. And that says a lot for uh, not just their physical stamina, but uh, you know, their mental approach to the game as well. I know that's a really important part of it. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that was one of my uh, next questions was the momentum swings that existed in that game. Uh, wild, <laughs> just back and forth from one. And I even tweeted this. It seemed like, Every time there was a big momentum swing, uh, TCU seemingly had an answer to a certain degree on this. But to your point, back and forth in a game like this, they never really let anything overwhelm them because they had been in multiple moments like this throughout the regular season. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's really just kind of a microcosm of the season as a whole. And, you know, being able to face a lot of adversity during the year has really paid dividends late you know in, in these in these playoff games i mean you know you're going to be playing a good opponent it's not like it's not like you know you're 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 guessing on what you're going to get out of whoever you're playing so the fact that they're able to say hey yeah we we you know Murray dear mercado fumbled and you know we we you know had two interceptions bounce off of guys and michigan turns those into points and then what you know a team that's not mentally strong is going to fold at that point and and this team you know, after Dave Ricardo fumbled, especially, I, I I walked right over there, and and all the offensive guys walked over, and you know, normally you'll see a running back hanging his head, and Dave Ricardo's like, look, I'm gonna bust one, and he did, you know, and and so that's it's just truly remarkable. It really is. This is, uh, I kind of feel like in some ways I'm living in a twilight zone, <laughs> um, you know, just because this team is so unique, and uh, I think I told you last time I was on with you, they. They're fun to be around, man, because they really like playing football and they really like being around each other. And teams that are like that are hard to beat and they're hard to keep down for an extended period of time. And and that's one of the reasons this team is so successful. Did you get the sense that all of the talk kind of galvanized them a little bit? After the loss at Kansas State, all we heard for essentially two to three weeks was, Dude, you can't play a version of a three-three-five against a Big Ten team. You can't do this against Michigan. I mean, they're going to be more physical. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And uh, lo and behold, you know, none of that stuff really mattered at all. You just go out there and execute. <laughs> you know, be you. Do you Don't worry about anything else? But I, I got the sense that it kind of, it maybe even brought them together a little bit more in a weird way. Yeah, it galvanized the team. But you know, it's it, it, people 
you get tired of hearing that, you know, yeah. you, you just, you get tired of it. And, and it's funny because you know better, right? And, and if you know football, you know that it's about the players on the field and not about the, the logo on the helmet. And it's increasingly, it seems like to me that the pundits, the people that are given the platform to, to advance our game, the game that we all love so much, don't actually watch the game. And, and that bothers me. And, and, you know, you would think there would be a little more of a screening process and putting some of these morons out there. I really, I really do think that, you know, Paul Feinbaum is bad for college football. He's just a complete buffoon. And, my God, Stephen A. Smith, are you kidding me? The fact that that guy's pontificating about college football, he didn't watch the game, and it's clear. Um, but, you know, so you, you hear about Michigan's going to be more physical. Well, there's no – evidence to support that TCU hasn't been the most physically dominant team in every game they played this season. And I would argue after watching the games and watching the films that Kansas State defensive line was better than Michigan's. Baylor's offensive line was better than Michigan's. You know, so you just start running down the list. Texas, for sure, their offensive line was much better than Michigan's offensive line. And, uh, you know, anybody that knows football knows that. So the fact that these people say those kind of things that, you know, Michigan's going to be out more, you know, out physical TCU simply because they're Michigan is, is really funny to me. And, but from a TCU fan base perspective and from the player's perspective, it does fire you up. You know, it's like a guy that you know you can beat telling you you're not going to beat him. And then you're just kind of licking your chops at that point. And that was really more the feeling around campus and around the team as that game approached is they're about to find out. Right. Yeah. You, you you guys have heard that, you know, kind of I'm not going to say what it is, but, you know, mess around and find out. Uh-huh. And that's that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And and we kind of knew that was going to be the case going in, really. And, and that's that's the truth. There was a lot of confidence in that. Yeah, there's there's no doubt uh, that there was. And the other part of this, too, that I get because uh, so, I'm in agreement with you on guys uh, like that. And it's and, and so funny. Let's just use Feinbaum as an example, okay? So Feinbaum one minute is talking about how TCU deserves credit, and then literally within 24 hours, he goes like on a week-long just, I can't believe that they're even in this position and being here. Like there's never any real accountability with anything that they say at all, and you can add Skip Bayless and everyone else to that mix. So, yes, I'm in agreement with you. Stop listening uh, to individuals like that. The thing that I thought that TCU did really well – was it kind of kept Michigan guessing a little bit. And and I think so much of kind of up-tempo does a little bit of that to, to them as well. But they also were able to take advantage of an incredible amount of speed that TCU has. Uh, I, I thought that they just kept the, the Michigan defense guessing, and it put them into a position, Landry, where sometimes I felt like that the, the Michigan defensive coordinator like – brought pressure in areas that I thought, ah, that's a little bit of a strange time to be bringing pressure uh, uh, against the TCU team. Like, I get that you need to stop, but you've got like a whole quarter that's left, right, when when you start making adjustments like that and, and trying to uh, force the issue. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I think you saw TCU's full stable of weapons on display, and that's that's what is a, has been a challenge for defensive coordinators to solve you want to double up Quentin Johnston fine you got Savion Williams and Tay Barber and Darius Davis and start running down the list and then you want to sell out to stop Kendra Miller okay well Max is going to pull the ball and run it himself which you saw them do a lot of and uh, you know if we're going to take that away then all of a sudden Amari DiMercato is going for 78 yards and a touchdown and so it you know you see the chess match playing out and I think what you saw really was some desperation at not having a lot of answers and a masterful game plan 
that was put together by the both offensive and defensive staffs at TCU, but also they did an incredible job of teaching that game plan to this, this group where they were able to execute it. And that goes, you know, up to and including the halftime adjustments that they made. And that goes to coaching. That's purely on coaching. If you're able to, to translate to some guys in a chaotic environment about changes that you want to make in a fist fight um, as it's going on and they're able to do that, then you're explaining that really well. And, and that just shows what a good coach that you are. And across the board, I can't say enough about this staff and their ability to teach these concepts that they want these guys to do, how they want to attack these defenses and, and offenses, and then the guys' ability to go out and do it. And, again, a lot of that goes to the seniority of a lot of these guys. You know, they're not surprised by anything they see at this point. So how good was the night? As soon as the game ended, how how great was the rest of the night? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and what's – what was the scene like of trying to pay attention to what was happening in the Ohio State-Georgia game? So it was really chaotic. Uh, we were on the air for almost seven hours, <laughs> and, and, and that includes an hour pregame show. So a lot of guys you know, do a, the majority of their heavy lifting before the game. Yep. We, we did a lot of ours after, and you know, by the time we got done with media and got done with our postgame interview with Sonny, uh, and then got on the buses. By the time we got back to the team hotel, everybody was gassed. We had a we had a team meal, which was a lot of fun, really celebratory environment. And then, um, you know, really, I grabbed my family, and Estridge grabbed his family. We went back to the our hotel, which was just about five minutes away, and had the nightcap one. And both looked at each other like I'm done, and we went to bed. And and it really, I mean. At New Year's Eve, and I think I was asleep by, you know, 9.30, and it felt like midnight. We were able to catch the end of that uh, Georgia-Ohio uh, State game, obviously, while we were sitting there at the bar and, um, you know, got to kind of see that, get excited for the matchup. And then literally, man, it was shut it down. We got up, popped on the team charter, flew home. So, uh, But it's just been chaotic ever since. I mean, the, the media requests and, uh, you know, just everything surrounding this and the excitement. I don't know any other way to put it than it's just amazing. It's amazing to me that 25 years ago, TC was thinking about folding up football. I was yeah. there. We won one game in 97. And there was no path to the national championship. In 2010, TC went 13-0, and beat a top-five ranked team in Wisconsin, and got a pat on the head. And there was, Because there was no path. Mm-hmm. There was literally not an option to win a national championship. And here we are, 12 years after that, and we're playing for the national championship, man. It's 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 a blessing. It's uh, I just I just can't say enough good things about it. I'm I'm freaking exhausted, Pop. I'll be honest with yeah. you. I'm so excited, man. And my family, you know, my family gets to be a part of this. My kids are going to go to the national championship game, and and uh, so yeah, I don't know if you heard the post game interviews on the field and stuff, but I got emotional. You you know, you try not to. Uh, but there's just a part of you that just can't help it, and uh, it's just been a blast, man. Fun well, it, it's 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 the real part, right? I mean, and that's that's yeah, the stuff that's right. that 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 matters the most. Uh, you kind of touched on it there, and then last one, and I, I'll let you go. Is um, does the story get told enough? And I hope that there's a some amount of time that's carved out in in this time between now and Monday night of something that you just brought up, which is a program and what the program did as well to help along the university, but the brick by brick mentality. 
if there's another example of that out there in the college football world uh, that is better than TCU's, dude, I haven't found it yet because the brick by brick of what you just said, winning one game in 97 to till now, uh, all the changes that have happened. I mean, Chris Del Conte talking about it even before he left to go to Texas about what Gary Patterson in general meant just to the student body and to the number of people enrolling at the university. Is there? Do you think there'll be enough time to carve out some time telling the story of TCU and the football team specifically? Yeah, it's that's such a good question. And I, I was I was texting back and forth with a buddy of mine that writes for the Star Telegram earlier today about that thing very specifically and. He was wanting some of my recollections about, you know, I was in the weight room when we found out we were getting kicked out of the Southwest Conference. And, uh, you know, I I was obviously there when we won the Sun Bowl and and things started to turn. But I remember vividly in 97, um, you know, instead of getting rid of football, there were some trustees that said, no, no, what we're going to do is we're going to go all in and we're going to raise the money and we're going to lead the charge in facilities. We're going to pay our coaches. We're going to do this the right way regardless of whatever conference we're in, because I think that's a crutch that a lot of schools use. And to TCU's credit, they did that. Now, they've got resources. They've got donors with money, but they don't have a lot of donors. And that's the thing that really makes it special. So you go from the investment that they made in facilities in the late 90s, early 2000s in coaches, and then you fast forward a little bit, they made additional uh, investments, you know, to the tune of over $100 million in a stadium, you know, uh, redevelopment and kept it on campus, did a great job there. And then just on and on and on. And every step of the way when you could take a back, you know, just sit down and cross your legs and take a deep breath, TCU's gone the exact opposite way. And it's a credit to the administration. They go in more. They invest more. And, and that, to me, has been the biggest part of the story. Now, winning helps that, yes. right? But which one begets which one? I, I don't know the answer. That's kind of chicken or the egg. Yep. And, but it's a credit to everybody associated with this program over the last 30, 40 years to say, no, you know what, we're not going to go away quietly. We're going we're gonna to basically kick the door down, and that's exactly what you've seen uh, come to fruition. And I think that's what makes it most special, man. I, you know, I appreciate you asking that question. I think it's a good one. And uh, when somebody writes this book, and somebody will, uh, that's going to be a big part of it, I think. Landry, I know you're uh, incredibly busy. I know you're exhausted, but I know you got enough in you to go a little bit more than a week, right, uh, <laughs> to get this last one in. You'll, you'll conjure up enough energy uh, to be able to make it through, man. I can't thank you enough for taking a few moments to come on with us here. Uh, again, best of luck to you, man. Rooting for you guys. Um, wishing the best for you. And enjoy the time with the family as well and creating more special moments uh, like you'll get to have with uh, with your kids and your family out there in the national championship game, man. I appreciate you. Pop, I appreciate you, man. I actually had dinner with Gillespie after the game, and our families all got to sit together, and, and I mentioned that we talked, and he wanted me to tell you hello, man. So you're the best. That's and, awesome. Um, you know, always happy to talk to you guys, and hopefully I can hop back home with you next week and uh, we can uh, high-five over, over the phone about a national championship. Point. Sounds good, my man. I appreciate it. All right, we'll see, right, bud. Thanks. That's Landry Burdine joining us here on the Blitz 1170, the TCU sideline reporter. And overall, good dude, I might add. I sent him a DM after after it was happened. I was like, dude, and a champagne <laughs> bottle. And he was like, his response was unreal. This I, was like at 750. I hit him up afterwards, probably like 10 o'clock that night. And I was like, hey, man, any chance we can get you on next week? He was like, yeah, hit me up on, or uh, hit me up a little bit later and we'll, yeah. we'll lock down a time. Cause what I, a, what, 
an absolute wild ride. And of oh, all the teams, right, to punch their ticket and get the first win in the college football playoffs for the Big 12 Conference and it being TCU. And I'm, I'm not kidding. Like the brick by brick mentality of, of what TCU has done is otherworldly. I love it. And here they are with an opportunity to raise a banner. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back. When we do, we're going to be joined by the big O, Jerry Strosky, next here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.